9 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Wherever you're listening today here in the Valley, 101.1 FM, 1340 AM, along Highway 50, 102.1, or online at theteam1340.com. Don't forget, we're still doing Pile Picks Can Pick em, powered by Kistner Motors. So get your picks in for Championship Weekend. Starts at noon Sunday. Niners at the Eagles, followed by the Bengals at the Chiefs to decide who'll be playing in Phoenix. And I should mention that starting on Monday, it's your chance with uh, get a table of Buffalo Wild Wings for the big game. Now, if you can't make it to the big game in Phoenix, the next big thing is here in the Grand Valley of Buffalo Wild Wings. You'll have a chance to win a table for six and 50 wings. So listen for your chance to get qualified starting Monday with Cake and myself. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with the Buckeye boy and myself. And then back with Cake on Friday. Or no, Monday. I mean, it's Max. Max. I'm sorry. Max is Monday. Sorry. I was like, Max I mean, is, I can. No. I'd have to, it had to be real tricky. No, no, Max on Monday. I'm sorry. Max is, the, the schedule's been wonky since Buckeye Boy's been Very. gone. So Max on Monday, but you'll have a chance to get qualified to win that table for the big game at Buffalo Wild Wings. All right. So we talked earlier this morning with Miles Cochaver, Colorado Mesa football coach, uh, Karst Hunter, uh, tweeting out a picture of himself in his Maverick uniform walking away, saying CMU. Thank you. And Miles Cochaver confirming that uh, Cars Tunner is going to transfer. Likewise for Sable Campbell that played a Palisade Maverick wide receiver. It looks like he'll be heading elsewhere, but got some thoughts on that today. Broncos coaching search, load management in the NBA. <laughs> Charles Barkley has some very direct thoughts on that. Very. He hates it. Charles Barkley not mincing words. I'm shocked. Yeah, and we we bring some of this up because last night Nikola Jokic didn't play. Went through warmups and ended up not playing with the hamstring tightness. Jamal Murray giving him a a break after you know back to back nights. Didn't want him to play the second night of a back to back because of the knee surgery he had previously. I don't know if that necessarily fits into the load management. You know, for a guy like a Kawhi Leonard that just sits out a lot when he's perfectly fine or seems like he's perfectly fine right text or call us today chick-fil-a breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340 all right uh, coming up february 7th it's the fruit of monument uh, high school athletic hall of fame and uh, we're going to talk to one of is you gonna have the open for this here for me i've okay. got a open okay very good so we're gonna talk talking here. fruit of monument wildcat sports on the jim davis show Sorry, all right. that's okay jump the gun there Joining us right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, he'll be one of the inductees February 7th out at Fruitum when the Wildcats take on Montrose in basketball. Member of the 1966 uh, Fruita High School State Football Championship team, Rich Paris. Rich, good morning. How are you? Jim, I'm just enjoying your show so much. I can't tell you. Well, well, th- well thank you. You've been getting those checks I've been sending. I, I appreciate that, Rich. Uh, full, di- full disclosure, like I always say, Rich is my first cousin, so there is some some nepotism involved. At least, uh, at least there could be involved in this, but uh, actually not because I I voted for you as many of us did on the on the committee. Uh, well deserved, considering the career that you had playing at at Fruita High School. You're already a member of the the Hall of Fame with your '66 state championship teammates, but this time you go in uh, as an individual after a sensational career at Fruita High School. That that state championship game, you had four interceptions in that game. Take us back to that game, which uh, you know is still the only state football championship 
in Fruta High School slash Fruta Monument High School history? Uh, Jim, I had uh, a great uh, uh, semi or a uh, quarterfinal and a semifinal game, and uh, scored six touchdowns against Glenwood, and then four against Walsenburg. So Yuma was really keying on me, and even their coach said in the article after the game that uh, he felt like they keyed too much on me, and that freed up the other guys to to uh, get it done. But uh, yeah, it was it was kind of weird. Uh, you know, I think three of those interceptions were in the end zone. And I, I just got to follow, I'm watching this quarterback, and I got to follow in his eyes, and I, he pretty much threw him right to me. And just catch him down him, and bring the ball out the 20 and, and go back the other way a while. But uh, yeah, it, was, it was kind of a weird day. And uh, if you look at the stats, it's hard to tell who won that game until you looked at the score. And uh, we beat them four touchdowns to, to nothing. But, um, I, I mean, they pounded on us. They, they were a good ball team. And uh, uh, I felt afterward we were really fortunate to come out of that with, with the win we did. And... Uh, but uh, we earned every bit of it, too. So, <laughs> no, no doubt about that. 27-0 victory over Yuma to win the state football championship. And, you know, I, you look back, like you said, at, at that game, and, I mean, the, those interceptions were, like you said, three of them were in the end zone. I mean, ended up being crucial. I mean, you, you get the shutout against them, but it sounded like they were knocking on the door, Rich, and you were able to make some, some big plays to not only help you guys win, but also to preserve a shutout as well. Yeah. Well, like we were leading seven nothing a half, but man, the numbers were crazy. They, they were they were stomping us, but we were able to just shut them down time after time. And and uh, anyway, we got it done. It's history, and uh, I'd like to sit and have a beer with those guys sometime, especially that one linebacker they had lined up across from me. And it didn't matter if I had the ball or not. When I went through the line, he he was smacking me. Uh, I I never have had anybody do that before. But I kind of got back at him uh, as the game went on because I was looking for him. And I don't know who was sore at the end of the game, him or me, but. I think we were both hurting pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was a game, too, that, that had two outstanding fullbacks yourself for Fruta and Coach Bill Noxon. Dean Metzler for them, uh, for Yuma, is a, a really talented fullback as well. So uh, a couple of guys that uh, certainly were uh, among the best in their positions uh, at you know in, in high school football in that 1966 season. And then you won the state championship. And for Coach Noxon, who was just one of the classiest human beings that, that I've ever known, that uh, when you won the the double a state championship it was on it was for his, it was his birthday it was a, a kind of a birthday gift to coach Noxon back in the day so that made it even more special <laughs> yeah that was a big day we, we didn't know it was his birthday until about well i think until after the game he didn't let that out and uh, 
But yeah, he felt like that was the birthday present of all time. And he worked so hard to get that and came so close, uh, you know, several times. And would he have five seconds? Yeah. And, uh, and then the championship and, and, uh, I tell you, you know, like I've told a lot of the guys that, you know, those seconds are sweet. They're nice, but they're bittersweet. And, and but that first, that, that took the place, you know, it, it rose above all of those, those other ones. And, uh, uh, if, if you don't win at all, you're first loser. So, uh, but yeah, we got that one, and I'm surprised it's held up. There's been a lot of good fruit of teams uh, with fruit of monument, and and uh, that trophy case should have several more state championship trophies in there, but it it doesn't. Well, I think and, uh, if you're a fruit of fan, I think you you know early 2000s with, with Billy Moore's the, the head coach and Miles Coach Shaver, who we had on earlier today that that played for Billy that that state title game lost to Loveland. They lost two championship games to Loveland. That first one in particular was was a heartbreaking loss. And so yeah, you're you're right. I mean it seems like there would have been at least one more in the one or two more in the trophy case since you guys did it back in sixty six. Well it's kind of funny because the one you just mentioned, Steve Stone and I were putting up a pole barn down at his house and we had the radio on the pickup. And they caught that final pass in the end zone to win the game and we heard Jim Davis jumping up and down saying, yeah, touchdown, touchdown. Whoa, wait a minute. And then that one ref come in there and overruled. But I tell you, those guys still swear up and down that that was a touchdown. That was another state championship right there. But we weren't there, so I can't say. But um, enough of them said, yeah, it, it sure looked like a catch to us. But those were pretty much through to people, so. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, one sided in that whole thing. And I certainly, you know, try to be unbiased a bit. Certainly, looked like a catch by uh, by Jeff Rosenberg uh, for, for me for that touchdown, but uh, it just uh, yeah. did not happen. But uh, with us, uh, played on the '66 uh, Fruit High School State Championship football team, Rich Paris. He'll be going in as an individual into the Fruit Monument uh, Athletic Hall of Fame coming up on February seventh. Uh, Rich, I want to talk about the game that you had against Glenwood Springs. You kind of referenced that for a moment, the 43-14 to win over Glenwood Springs. You scored 41 points in that game. Take us back to that game. That was an incredible performance. <laughs> it, was like it, was, it was a dream. Uh, I never had it happen before or after, but every time I got the ball and went through the line, it just looked like it, it just opened up. And there was nobody there. And six touchdowns. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a, a heck of a thing, a feat at any level. But it, I told my guys, you know, when we had our uh, football reunion, the only thing I regret about that day was that every one of them in that room didn't get a six-touchdown day. I would have loved to have shared that with with, with them. And, but, in fact, I did because a lot of them were blocking the opening those holes. And, like I said, I just when I hit the line, it just opened up. 
and it was wide open. And here we go. And it, it was a marvelous day. And then I was in on the tackle on a on a a safety. And but that was a even a closer game than than the score. I think they had a touchdown called back, a, a holding call. And uh, so there, you know, there was another one, but um, they were a good football team. They were big, fast, and uh, just just good team. Rich Paris joining us today on the on the Team Sports Network, and of course your your, your late brother Don uh, is a member of the, the Hall of Fame. Went in uh, a year or so ago. And how much did, I mean, Don had, I mean, you had a chance to play with Don in high school uh, with the Wildcats, but, but kind of take me through, Rich, how, how Don motivated you, you guys growing up, being athletes, playing, you know, with each other and, and what, and the inspiration that Don was to you in, in the career that you had at, at Fruta High School. <laughs> well, he, he influenced me a lot and, um, uh... If I didn't do what he wanted, then he'd kick me all over the yard. <laughs> but no, he was a great athlete. And, um, you know, I tell the story, but um, in football, I didn't play that much with him because they had tremendous senior classes. And But when he left and knocks him through, he told me uh, – he wanted me to uh, fill Don's spot at fullback, and I was a guard. So I moved into fullback my junior year, and when we checked out uniforms, he said, well, if you're going to fill the shoes, you might as well wear the uniform too, and he threw me 42. And that was Don's number. Oh, man, the pressure was on. But, you know, we had a great junior year. And, of course, we won state senior year. But, you know, people used to ask Don, you know, who, who was the best team? And he'd just bow down and he'd look at the floor and he'd say he was. <laughs> I told you, Jim, I would have hated to have played those guys. Uh, they were big, fast, good, tough. And uh, it would have been a battle. And uh, I'm glad we didn't have to play them. But and then basketball, John and I were the two starting forwards. I was a sophomore and him a senior, and uh, we didn't get along real well out there on the basketball court. But uh, uh, and then in baseball, we'd go on past basketball. <laughs> well, in baseball, Don pitched and played well outfield and first, and, and but when he guess who the catcher was? I'm going to assume it was you, sir. Little brother. <laughs> <laughs> Don had a, a problem with control, and every game he would throw at least one pitch all the way out of the ballpark, clear clear over the backstop, and. Then going home, you know, if he threw a dozen pitches in the dirt and I dug out 11 of them, which one do you think I heard about on the way home, Jim? But he had it right, 
in that, Rich, you call the pitch. I roll back, I wind up, and I throw that pitch as hard as I can. It's up to you to keep it in play. And I hadn't thought about that in that way. But, you know, it's really true. His job was just to throw it. It was my job to catch it and keep it in play. And he made me a lot better catcher and a lot better athlete. Because, you know, Don had a lot of God-given talent, but... Uh, he he worked hard and and earned uh, his accolades. He he trained hard. He he, he studied, and but he he earned everything he got, and I'm, I was glad to be part of it. Rich Barris joining us today. He'll go into the Fruita Monument uh, High School uh, Athletic Hall of Fame February seventh. Uh, when uh, Fruno Monument takes on Montrose, he joins us today on the Team Sports Network. Now, I, I know in the case of Don, Don was at CU briefly. Uh, take us through, because you ended up at Mesa Junior College back in the day, but kind of take us through after high school, Rich, what, what your athletic career was like at, at that point in time. Well, Jim, I, it was kind of funny. Um, I had nine D1 full-ride offers on my kitchen table at home in football. And everybody, they, they told me later that we didn't offer you baseball because we thought you were going to, you wanted to go play football. Well, I wanted a baseball scholarship, and the only two I got were D1s uh, all the way down in southern Florida and uh, with old Dwayne Banks and then a, a coach in, in Georgia. And, you know, my parents, they couldn't afford to fly me back and forth uh, you know, holidays and stuff. So I turned those down. But the reason I went, I took a full ride football to Mesa, actually, so I'd get everything paid for, and then I could walk on and play baseball and do a JUCO and maybe sign. I, I thought I made a career move. It just didn't turn out that way. But I did have two or three opportunities to sign and go pro uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. But uh, I just didn't feel like they were offering enough money and, and, and uh, you know, throw me in the system and die or survive. And so I passed up on them. But looking back, I probably should have taken one and went for it. But uh, I had my opportunities, Jim, and and they just didn't work out. Well, but certainly, though, I mean, you've, you you as far as your personal life goes, you you've gone on and and had success in business, and uh, your your son Ryan was a member of state championship baseball team, and so and there's there's certainly uh, you know even though it didn't work out maybe for you. Yeah, to play professional baseball. Uh, certainly, a, a lot of things to be thrilled about. Uh, you know, after uh, your your high school career. Oh, exactly. I'm I'm so proud of my son and and my daughter and my grandkids. We've got some good little athletes coming up in soccer and softball over in Denver, and and uh, yeah, Ryan was a great athlete, and it, like you say, part of that state championship team. Uh, hope to be nominating him for this Hall of Fame thing pretty quick, and and uh, as a matter of fact, he'll be with me on the floor 
on the seventh, flying over Fort. So, uh, yeah, Paris's are are gonna be all over that board up there. Uh, Don once, Ryan once, me twice, Jack once. He was he was on a state championship baseball team, I think, in seventy. Yeah, nineteen seventy. He was a, a catcher on that team. Yeah, he he was a good little ball player. Uh, uh, so the. There's, <laughs> I think all of us are going to end up up there. So that, that's pretty good for our family name. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it was a fun time, Jim. Well, well deserved, Rich. No doubt about it. And uh, uh, of course, you'll be going in. We're going to talk with Brian Rush tomorrow. That won a couple of state wrestling championships. Uh, uh, the Rush family, of course, their their name <laughs> all over the the record books at uh, at Fruita Monument High School as well. And and uh, Sonny Russell Hansen, who was a state uh, uh, champion uh, in track and field, and she's going to join us tomorrow. Hey, Rich, I- I'm thrilled for you. Uh, congratulations, cousin. And, and uh, of course, uh, we'll see you out there February 7th when they induct this year's class for the Fruit Monument High School Athletic Hall of Fame. Tell Pauline I said hi, and, and take care, Rich. Jim, you take care. Talk to hi. I will do that. See you on 7th. Okay, very good. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Rich Paris will go into the Hall of Fame. With some great stories. I mean, some memories back. and Oh, yeah. They won the state title in 66. And and uh, Clarence Ross, who, of course, is coached here in the Valley. He was the AD at Mesa. He was one of the offensive linemen for, for Rich and uh, Coach uh, Bill Knoxon back then as well. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of an interesting family thing with, with uh, Rich's younger brother, Jack's uh, in the Hall of Fame with the 1970 baseball team. And, uh, of course, now Rich goes in as an individual like his brother Don did. Don was drafted by the Colt 45s back in the day. A tremendous athlete. Got a scholarship to the University of Colorado to play football. Didn't uh, didn't work out uh, in terms of some injuries and things like that. And then uh, his son Ryan, Rich's son Ryan, was a member of the 93 state championship baseball team for Dave Fox. So... All kinds of folks, uh, all the family members of the Paris family, like Rich said, uh, in the uh, Fruit Monument Hall of Fame. All right, so I'll have more of those interviews coming up uh, tomorrow. And then uh, also on Monday, Danny Doyle, that's being posthumously inducted. He had a golf scholarship to Arizona. He was a, a state uh, golf champion. Jack Beach was a good friend of his. We'll uh, join us to talk about that coming up on Monday, plus preview some of the basketball action. Look back as well at... Uh, the uh, championship games from the NFL coming up on Monday when Max Ryan, not you, sir, but Max mm-hmm. Ryan will join me on Monday since you have other duties. And don't forget, starting Monday, get you qualified for that uh, table for the big game of Buffalo Wild Wings. If you can't make it to the big game in Phoenix, the next the best thing is here in the Grand Valley at Buffalo Wild Wings. Chance to win a table for six and 50 wings. Your chance to get qualified starting on Monday. All right, 923. Jim along with Cake today. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Been a busy show today. Yes. Still have Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's basketball coach, coming up in just a little bit. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The Team. Welcome back, 927 Jim and Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. 
Let's set up the uh, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, shall we? I've got one from Dylan. If everyone is saying due to the numbers that Todd Helton is good enough to get in the Hall of Fame next year, then why make us wait now? Makes no sense. Good trade by the apps. It yep. doesn't make sense, and, and Dylan, uh, we're kind of all wondering the same thing. Like, if it's if he's good enough to get in next year, how come he wasn't good enough to get in this well, year? He, he came up 11 vo- votes shy, and there were eight people who didn't even vote. At all. At all. Dylan, yeah. I, 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 it gets back to, once again, some of the issues with, with Hall of Fame voting in general. But a lot of it around the baseball hall of fame with the baseball writers, yeah, and guys that are that they have their prejudices. They they're guys they didn't like. They 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 were a beat writer for a team, didn't like a particular player. They got that axe to grind. They're going to vote for them. Or in the case of Todd Helton, yeah, he played at Coors Field. Numbers are altitude inflated. Which if you look at the if you look at the analytics on it, and this is this is where analytics to me. I think, it's, I think I, I've always I think analytics are important. I don't think it should be end all be all, but in something like this where you evaluate a player like Todd Helton because he played at altitude, well, how much did that altitude really help him? And when and Jason Stark and I and I encourage you if you have the athletic, I'm not going to, you know, if you if you want to get its pay, it's you know it's, it's a pay service, right? It does have valuable information from guys like Jason Stark, though. I know that I, I love having it, and I love having it for reasons like the Jason Stark piece, where he takes a look at ballpark-adjusted numbers, and I referenced this several times now since the Hall of Fame vote came out. Park-adjusted numbers for Citizens Bank Park in Philly, Great American in Cincinnati. A couple of pretty offensive ballparks. Yeah. That, that are somewhat comparable but but nobody holds it against them right anybody that plays there no a guy like Bryce Harper and and if you if you look at the numbers Todd Helton only would have had one more home run and four more hits like the 07 season you know than than if he would have played in those other ballparks and that's across his entire career yeah not in a single season yeah which would be low anyway in a single season that's in his entire Major League Baseball career, only would have had one more homer and four more hits if yeah, he played, of course. Yeah, it's exactly. And so to me, it's Dylan. I understand what you're saying. I I agree. It's like then why why make Todd wait? You say why make us wait? And I understand as a Rockies fan, but why make Todd Helton wait? Right. Part of it's because you've got some some morons. That are baseball writers that didn't even turn in a ballot for anybody. And if you can persuade what three more people that they should have voted for Todd Helton as opposed to whoever they voted for, then Todd Helton is in. You know, I, I think that Jeff Jeff Kent, while he was a jerk, Jeff Kent's numbers, the second baseman, his power numbers, probably put him in that consideration. Right. I mean, there's a lot of guys like Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez will be, the, he's going to be the tough one to evaluate because of obviously his connection to performance enhancing drugs. And that's why some people, that's why they didn't vote. I'm, I'm, I'm standing up against guys like him and Gary Sheffield that, 
use PEDs and blah, blah, blah. Stop it. There are guys you could vote on, vote for on that ballot. There were 27 guys on that ballot. Not all of them are connected to PEDs. I, I just think in the case of Todd Helton, that the, the good news is since 1946, guys that get to 72% or better and come up short of the 75%, those are what been like eight of them. They've they've got in the next year. That's the positive thing about it. There's not much else positive about it. No. Let's see. We got one unnamed texter. Uh, it's sad to see how many talented players leave the CMU football program since last spring. Car Stunner is one of the top two quarterbacks in the RMAC, and certainly competition didn't have anything to do with the transfer. I don't know about I don't know about certainly didn't have anything to do with it. But there's other factors, you know, Coach Coach Aver, when we had yeah. him on, he said graduation's coming up in May. He's got some decisions to make about Wants life. Wants to be closer to home. Which that right there, that's the one I sympathize with the most because, you know, for two years I was going to school in the state of Nebraska. And, and look, I said, yeah, I want to go home. And, and look, and I don't know. I mean, Karst comes off as the kind of guy to me that, d- that doesn't walk away from, from competition. No. But I, you, know, you you wonder with you know limited time left in his career, and he felt like he's made his point about how good he is and being one of the upper tier quarterbacks in the conference. That there shouldn't be any kind of quarterback battle, and and for for Tom Thanell and Miles Cochaver, they 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 feel like you know I'm I'm just I don't know if it's exactly how they feel, but they feel like that there's they liked what they saw from Gavin Herberg, and there's going to be competition for that job and to this texter's uh point about the number of players leaving when there's when there's a coaching change and you're seeing it right now at cu when there's a coaching change there's a bunch of players that change too whether guys are gonna leave guys you know they they want to go somewhere else the the coach that recruited them there is no longer there they don't know if they're gonna get any sort of time on the field that's just sort of the natural progression of things and where I think we need to give Karst maybe a little bit more credit is that he stuck around. That he said, let's see what this exactly. new regime under Miles Cochaver brings and Tom Thanell. And, you know, it as a season, you'd like to have obviously seen things go a different way. It took them a while to get their first RMAC win late in the season. You know, had some struggles. And Karst dealing with the injury late in the year didn't help. But before the season you're thinking okay hey we have we have our guy coming back and he he for all accounts he played as best he could i i just think you're you're now in an age where because of the transfer portal you're going to see guys leave that's just new new coaching staff comes in they may give it a year don't feel like it's the right fit they're going to move on and i know that miles and his staff they've been Working hard, doing doing a tremendous job recruiting for this year. Yep, and uh, excited to be out there coming up on Wednesday from uh, five until six o'clock at the Blue Moon. We'll be broadcasting live. We're gonna have specials there as well, so get out and and join us for that one. The uh, Maverick Signing Day event at the Blue Moon downtown coming up this Wednesday. Uh, let's see with Kyle from Kyle today. With Dion being the football coach, will that help basketball? <laughs> and Tad Boyle does pretty well on his own. He I mean, does. I mean, it's not like Mike Tad can't recruit anybody. They got the first five-star recruit in program history, I thought. Yeah. So, I guess seven Dion on campus can't hurt. 
that's listen. I think that's how they were able to beat the Rams. <laughs> I mean, well, he certainly gave them a little energy boost uh, when he walked that in. Crowd the building. was electric. Yeah. So uh, just a reminder, by the way, we'll have CU basketball. We had Mark Johnson on last hour. Uh, Buffs at Oregon tonight. Pre-game at 6.30 on the Team Sports Network. All right, Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, uh, looking to uh, start another winning streak after their 10-game winning streak uh, came to an end Tuesday at Westminster. We'll talk with Mike DeGeorge coming up in just a few minutes. Time right now for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's This Day in Sports History. All right, we go back to 1913. Jim Thorpe gives up his track medals from the 1912 Olympic Games as a result of having been a professional. He was paid $25 for playing in a semi-pro baseball game. 1951, Jimmy Fox and Mel Ott are elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 1958, Joe DiMaggio is elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 1960, Pete Rozelle is picked as the new commissioner of the National Football League. 1985, Edmonton's Wayne Gretzky scores his 50th goal in the 49th game of the season, a 6-3 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. 1986, the Chicago Bears won their first NFL championship since 1963 by setting a Super Bowl record for points, scored in defeating the New England Patriots 46-10. 1991, Houston guard Vernon Maxwell joins Will Chamberlain, David Thompson, and George Gervin as the only players in NBA history to score 30 points or more in a quarter. Maxwell scores 30 of his career high 51 in the fourth quarter to help Houston beat Cleveland 103 to 97. Also on this day, 1992, the Washington Redskins won their third Super Bowl in 10 years, beating the Buffalo Bills 37 to 24, putting the game away at 24 straight points after a scoreless first quarter. And 1987, Green Bay Packers behind uh, some big plays beat the New England Patriots 35 to 21 in the Super Bowl. Brett Favre finds Andre Risen. And that's Brett Favre. Uh, for a 54-yard touchdown on the Packers' second offensive play, then throws an 81-yard touchdown to Antonio Freeman in the second quarter. Desmond Howard, the first special teams MVP uh, in the Super Bowl, scores on a 99-yard kickoff return to put the game away Brett against Favre the Patriots. It could probably do a great morning show, too. He probably could. I'm sure he could convince me to buy him a radio station to... Uh, to do that morning show on. There you go. And tell people that he's doing it for charity. I'm sure he could probably find a way to do that. <laughs> Until they get caught. Brett Favre's a scumbag. Yeah, he I'm is. just, I mean, he's just, and this, that's, that's nothing new. Robbing from charity is like the well, lowest of low. The, the Jen Sturger thing. That was pretty bad. That's a dirtbag thing. I mean, he was such a good story, right? He, oh, yeah. he got addicted to opioids because of, of the injuries he had able to overcome that the, the loss of his father and the way he played that Monday night football game. I mean, there's, there's, there's great Brett Favre stories. And then there's these other stories, which just totally overshadow what a great story. Brett Favre was before, right? The Jen Sturger thing and the Mississippi welfare scandal thing that he's involved in. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good at all. Nine thirty We'll take a break. We'll come back and coming up next. Colorado Mesa men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge joins us on the Jim Davis Show. 
I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. Mavericks take on Western Colorado University Saturday on the Team Sports Network. With us right now, head coach of the Maverick men, Mike DeGeorge. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Jim. Unfortunately, the 10-game winning streak came to an end Tuesday night. You, you lose at Westminster 70-63. Uh, to 63, And boy, the, the foul line came back to haunt you guys, didn't it, in that game? Yeah, I mean, it's just everything. We just, uh, we were, I, I just... <laughs> I just thought on Sunday after, you know, we went on Friday at Fort Lewis. We get back super late. Usually Saturday, the next day is kind of a rough day. But I woke up on Sunday and I'm like, man, if they still feel like I do, this could be this could be a tough one, you know. And I just think we hit a wall of fatigue, uh, both mentally and physically, after this uh, really long stretch. Six to eight on the road to, to start after the Christmas break caught up to us. And, you know, the guys just, we had a lot of open looks in that second half and, we just, everything was uh, short, and we just couldn't. We just didn't have any anything left. But I know if, if anybody watched online, it probably didn't look like it. But they were trying as hard as they could. They gave everything they had. We just didn't have anything left in the tank. Yeah, there's just going to be nights like that. Particularly, like you said, you know, coming off a, a really grueling road trip, and you, you go back out, you know, on the road, plan a Tuesday night, which you normally don't do, and that at some point, that's just it's just going to catch up with the team, isn't it? It is, and there there were just lots of factors emotionally too. You know, just the emotional win on Friday night, and then the bus has this toll on you that's hard to describe. You know, I saw Trevor yesterday, and he was saying, you know, it just felt like we were living on the bus. You know, I mean, these you know ten hour bus rides, or you know, in the case for both Fort Lewis and and uh, and Westminster, you know, it's five hours one day, and then five hours the next day after the game. Um, you know, it just it starts to take that toll, and then. You know, to be in the atmosphere at Black Hills or, or Fort Lewis, you know, in these, these highly motivating games with big crowds, you know, and, and and then to be at Westminster on a Tuesday night after classes have started, there's literally no one in the gym. Um, it, it just, you know, it just, it was a it was a perfect storm. And then, unfortunately, Mac Reneker had food poisoning, and so he was not, you know, he battled the best he could, but he didn't have much to give, and um, so it just was uh, an unfortunate set of circumstances. But when you look at the totality of where we were after the opening weekend, losing to both uh, Mines and Metro and putting ourselves in just a terrible hole to, to rally and, and get our get you know the level play to the next level and, and go through that next stretch, you know, 10 and one, I think uh, anybody would have taken that. Um, you know, at at the start of that uh, of that journey that we've been on. So now we just got to regroup, and we got six of our last nine at home. We only play uh, one game against Mines and the, against the top four teams in the league remaining, where they all have either three or four. So we just got to right the ship and get back to what we were doing, and uh, and regain our energy and be ready for this stretch run. But if we do a great job here, who knows what will happen? And the fact that we got the grueling part of our schedule over early allows us to recover before we head into March in the conference tournament and hopefully the NCAA tournament. Mavericks lose to Westminster 70-63. to Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's coach, with us on the Team Sports Network. Getting back to what I was referencing with the foul line, you missed 6-7 in the final four minutes. And then from a, a shooting standpoint at Westminster, 41.9% 
And you know, before that, you were shooting you know fifty percent or better in nine of the the previous eleven games. So, like I said, just that that road fatigue kind of uh, set in there. Certainly, uh, with the, with the way your team shot the basketball in that game. I mean, what was the message after the game? Because it sounds like you're, you know, the, the way you approached it, Mike, is, hey, look, we've we've dug ourselves out of a hole here. This is you know this is a setback, but it's not unexpected considering what we've gone through. How did the team respond? I mean, obviously a disappointing loss at Westminster, but certainly a lot of things to be ex- still excited about, even with that loss. Yeah, uh, you know, I think going into the week, we did not have a good practice on Monday. You could just see how mentally and physically fatigued the group was. And, we, uh, you know, I was uh, pretty frustrated with them. But, you know, on Tuesday, and we took the approach, it's just like, okay, this challenge is real. And I told Michael, if we can finish this game off, this will be maybe the greatest road trip I've ever been a part of. I mean, when you think about the mileage and the quality of opponents and uh, everything that went into it, you know, it would be unbelievable to complete this. And um, and so we tried to take that approach. So post-game, we were really just more like, okay, you know, this was a long, hard road. But now we put ourselves in a position where we're probably going to be on the road in the conference tournament. And then we're probably going to be on the road in the NCAA tournament. And so how are we going to handle that? Like, what did we do? What could we do a little differently? You know, let's just grow from this um, and learn something that maybe can help us in March so that we've played our best with maybe some grueling back-to-back weekends on the road. And, you know, so hopefully we can use this as a, as a way to build off of it. But in general, I think we just got to get back to playing with high energy and our legs will come back and shots will start falling again. Well, a guy that's been a constant for you during that, the, throughout that entire road trip, Blaze 3, 24 points on, on Tuesday night. He's just been the model of consistency, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, it's one of the things that's happened during that 10-game win streak is we really tweaked some roles and, and found some role definition and a formula for success. And, you know, it, it absolutely, Blaze has become the centerpiece of our offense and, and late game, uh, you know, carrying the load. He's confident in that way. And, uh, whatever teams throw at him, um, you know he's been uh, able to 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 digest that and and uh, find success in whatever teams are doing to him. And so, uh, yeah, that's been a big piece of that. And then you know we've really guarded and and been able to defend. And uh, you know he's taken his defense to another level, which has really uh, helped the overall team effort as well. Maverick men's coach Mike DeGeorge with us on the Team Sports Network. Mavericks now the number sixteen team in the nation back home at Brownson on Saturday for the first time since January 7th. It's, it's been a while since you've seen Brownson as far as uh, an actual game day. You have Western Colorado on Saturday. Uh, they're three and 13, uh, one and 11 in the RMAC heading into the weekend. And it's a, it's a team that's really struggled this season. Yeah. They, you know, they are going to have to, they've been playing with tremendous energy and toughness and they, you know, nothing means more to them than, than beating us. And so, um, you know, they're, this is the kind of year they're having that if they were able to get us, it would be kind of the calling card for their season. And so, you know, they'll come in with tremendous energy. Their talent, uh, you know, is, is they need to do it collectively. And they have a motion offense that they want to run with great pace. And then they are playing very hard defensively, and they've been playing way better defensively of late. So we know that, you know, we'll get their best effort. And, but it's really about us. We have to get back to playing, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with tremendous energy and purpose at both ends. And, and even in the Fort Lewis, when, when you watch the film, I mean, they were doing some things to confuse us and press us. But, you know, it wasn't a great offensive night there. And then we followed that up with our probably our worst offensive night of the year at Westminster. So, 
you know, we really need to get back to, to doing things the right way. Uh, and so our focus will be on us this week and, and being ready to handle their, their motion and the pace they play with. Avery Rimbeo has been their, their top scorer throughout the course of the season. He's at uh, averaging about 15.5 points per game. Gino uh, Corderi has been their top rebounder over seven boards per contest. Like you said, it's more of a, a collective effort. It's collaborative with, with the Mountaineers, but Rimbeo and uh, Corderi, uh, Corderi have certainly been kind of their, their top two players when it comes to Mike uh, individual efforts. Yeah, and Avery's scary. He's about six six, and he's long, and he's uh, and he's very bouncy, and he can get hot. And you know, he's kind of been their secondary scoring option with Ragsdale there the last couple of years. And um, you know, now he's getting the primary defensive matchup, and and so it's he's had a good year, but it's also you know been a little harder uh, missing out on on that additional scoring threat. So, uh, but he's very capable of getting going, and he'll be the centerpiece of our game plan uh, in terms of making sure. Uh, we have identified how we're handling him, and and uh, hopefully Mac Renneker is healthy and ready to go because uh, that'll be a great matchup for him. So, do we know what Mac ate? And so I can make sure that that I steer. Yeah, I don't know if I want to throw any place under the bus. But <laughs> okay, was, uh, we, we won't. We won't do a, that. It was a bad choice from Walmart. I'll say that much. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Well, that's ooh. That that helps. Well, uh, after going through that myself many, many, many years ago, I, I feel for Mac. Yeah. That's, a, that's a miserable thing to go through when you have food poisoning. Well, uh, this Saturday when it's Western, look, even though their record is, is not great, it's always a rivalry game. And it has to be, I mean, a great situation for you. You've been on the road forever since the early part of January. You're back home. It's, it's a rivalry game, even despite, you know, what their record might be. It is a, a, a prime opportunity to get things kind of restarted for your basketball team. Yeah, absolutely. And the reality is, is that it, it's, you know, it, it, whenever we play them, it's always competitive. And two, it's every game in the RMAC is competitive. I mean, you know, people would look at Westminster and say, well, how did they lose that team? Well, Westminster beat Fort Lewis at home. They've, you know, they've had a great run at home. They're one of the top teams in the league at home. And so, you know, everybody uh, rises to the challenge, and and every game you got to earn. If you if you're not ready to earn it, you're going to lose in the RMAC on any given night, and and uh, that'll be true on Saturday night. So we need to bring bring the toughness and energy that we know they're going to bring. Uh, that you got to have in a rivalry game. And we need the herd out there. We need uh, Maverick fans out there for Saturday's matchups, and we'll have them on the Team CMU Sports Network women's pregame at five fifteen. They'll tip it at five thirty minutes seven thirty. The Mavericks finally back at home at Brownstone Arena this Saturday right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. Mike, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right. There's Mike DeGeorge, the notorious MDG coach of the Maverick men's basketball team. Yeah, the food food poisoning from the grocery store is never fun. I've never had food poisoning from uh, the grocery it's... store. I have had food poisoning, though, before. It sucks. Yeah, the last time I had food poisoning, I was I was going to Mesa, and it was on like Fourth of July, Ugh. and for some reason I signed up to do a shift at the college radio station on Fourth of July, and I was supposed Uh-oh. to go to some party later on. Uh oh! And so I grabbed a chili dog at the place here in town. Nope, nope. And I was concerned because I had to keep pulling over. To throw up, Ugh. I was concerned the cops were going to pull me over because they they were going to think I was drinking or something. Right, they kept pulling over to throw up. 
And then I was intoxicated barfing because I'd been drinking too much. No, it's because I got a really bad chili dog. Uh, got home. Nothing happened, but I did not go to that party. I just... I don't blame you. It was a party in the restroom the rest of the night. <laughs> God. Yeah. It was uh. an awful, awful experience. I feel bad for Mac Rineker. That's... Uh, and he still tried to play, And he still tried to go out and play, which uh. I was... Fetal position, prone, laying on my bed, barely able to crawl to the bathroom. That guy's out trying to play basketball. No, thank you. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Back tomorrow with Where in the World is Tyler Franzen. Uh, We'll also talk tomorrow with a couple more of the folks going into the Fruit of Monument uh, Wildcat Athletic Hall of Fame and uh, Brian Rush and uh, Sonny Russell Hansen. So uh, that's coming up on tomorrow's program. So uh, make sure you join us tomorrow. 7 to 10 right here on the Team Sports Network. Jim Rome heading your way in just a few minutes. And then tonight, don't miss it, uh, Colorado at Oregon tonight. Mark Johnson with the call along with uh, Scott Wilkie from Eugene. Pre-game for that one at 6.30 tonight. Tip-off at 7 on the Team Sports Network. All right, for Cake, I'm Jim. Appreciate you joining us today. And um, don't forget, you can always hear all the interviews in the program. We usually have them up by 10.30 and catch all the interviews at our website, theteam1340.com. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7.